This evening we jump to the 21st chapter of the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 21, and we'll be reading the first 12 verses. The burden of the desert of the sea. As whirlwinds in the south pass through, so it cometh from the desert, from a terrible land. A grievous vision is declared unto me. The treacherous dealer dealeth treacherously, and the spoiler spoileth. Go up. O Elam, besiege, O Media, all the singing thereof have I made to cease. Therefore are my loins filled with pain. Pangs have taken hold upon me as the pangs of a woman that travaileth. I was bowed down at the hearing of it. I was dismayed at the seeing of it. My heart panteth. Fearfulness frightened me. The night of my pleasure hath he turned into fear unto me. Prepare the table. Watch in the watchtower. Eat, drink, arise, ye princes, and anoint the shield. For thus hath the Lord said unto me, Go set a watchman. Let him declare what he seeth. And he seeth a chariot with a couple of horsemen, a chariot of asses and a chariot of camels, and he hearkeneth diligently with much heed. And he cried, A lion! My Lord, I stand continually upon the watchtower in the daytime, and I am set in my ward whole night. And behold, there cometh a chariot of men with a couple of horsemen. And he answered and said, Babylon is fallen, is fallen. And all the graven images of her gods he hath broken unto the ground. O oh, my threshing and the corn of my flower, that which I have heard of the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel have I declared unto you. And now my texts are the next two verses. The burden of Duma. He called to me out of Seir, Watchman, what of the night? Watchman, what of the night? The watchman saith, The morning cometh and also the night. If ye will inquire, inquire ye, return, come. So Father, reading of God's word, may he bless the reading of it and the preaching. After that beautiful prediction of the Lord's wrath being turned from us, in chapter 12, 
Chapter 13 and following has the burden. The burdens against the various heathen nations round about God's people. The burden of their, those world powers and their destruction. Babylon, Moab, Edom, Ethiopia, Arabia. The destruction of all those heathen nations over against and in contrast to Zion's salvation. What is the connection? What is the connection between that earlier section and this section, chapters 13 and following? The Lord will certainly gather and glorify his people, that little hut in the vineyard, that booth in the cucumber field. God's elect will become a glorious kingdom. And it is in that glorious promise of the everlasting kingdom of the Messiah that the prophet also then must speak about the world powers and their destruction. For Israel will be redeemed through judgment. That is the theme of the whole book of Isaiah found in Isaiah 1 verse 27. So in our passage, beloved, we have the watchman standing on the wall. He is guarding. He is guarding the city of God. Posted there on the walls and by the gates of the city, especially at night. Why is he set there? He is set there to warn about those enemies who might attack under the cover of darkness. Now when day dawns, the danger of the night is past, then there's no need for the watchman. But now here, there is a need for the watchman. And the question comes in verse 11. Watchman, what of the night? Watchman, what of the night? In other words, how much longer before daytime will come when the danger is past? How much longer? And the answer, it's rather unusual and fearful. For notice what the answer of the watchman is. The morning cometh and also the night. What? The morning cometh and also the night? When the day comes, it's still also going to be dark. That happens sometimes in nature, doesn't it? That is in this past week, we've seen it, haven't we? Morning comes, but it remains rather dark and dismal with heavy fog and rain and storm. How dreary. How dreary those days are when the light doesn't dawn, when the darkness of fog and rain covers everything, it seems like it's always night. How terrible. For those of you who know me, I need the light of the sunshine. But it remains dark. 
we have before us the oracle of Duma. What is Duma? Where do we find that? It's not a literal city in Edom, but rather the prophet is playing with words. The Hebrew word for Edom, he takes the vowel at the beginning and he puts it at the end of the word so that Edom is the same as Duma. And what does Duma mean? It means a time of silence, everlasting silence, desolation, and forsakenness. There was darkness in Jerusalem because of her sins. The Lord is giving her wicked kings to rule over her, and the enemies will triumph over her, and she will be sent out to captivity. How long will the night be? Oh, may the light of the Lord's face light on them and give them light again. So the watchman on the wall is Isaiah. Isaiah as he is guarding Zion's walls. It is night everywhere, even in Jerusalem. And then from the direction of Edom, he hears a voice calling to him. Watchman, what of the night? Watchman, what of the night? It's an urgent question. That's why it's repeated, isn't it? Is the night almost over? How long till morning? When I was in the Philippines, visiting in one of the towns, sleeping outside, it starts raining. I'm wet to the skin, laying on this wood table in the hut. And my thought was, when is it ever going to be morning? That's the question that is coming here from that voice that comes to the watchman on the walls. Is the night almost over? How long till morning and there is light? The answer is twofold. First of all, negatively, morning cometh, but it still will be night or dark. Positively, if you are inquiring, keep on inquiring. Repent. Come. So my theme is the morning and the night. What is this judgment of the night? Where is that judgment? And how is it to be escaped? We're dealing here with figures. Mourning is a figure of Israel's liberation from her enemies. Mourning is a figure of Israel's deliverance from her captivity in Babylon that is going to happen. We call those boys and girls types in the, in the, in the Bible. Old Testament persons, places, or events that look forward to are a picture of spiritual things that are going to take place in the New Testament. 
Mourning is a picture of our spiritual liberation from the power of sin and death. Mourning is a picture of the final eternal liberation in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. When the eternal day will dawn, which is called in the Bible the day of the Lord. There is that voice that asks twice the question of our text. What of the night? Now this is not a literal person now who actually comes out of Edom and approaches the prophet and asks this question, for this is an oracle. It's not that the prophet somehow mysteriously hears a person who is talking from Edom, speaking so loud that he can hear him way over there in Jerusalem, rather prophet is putting the question in a very vague form. A voice out of Edom. He doesn't define who that he is. A voice looking forward to the morning of redemption. What is assured in our passage? It is dark in Edom. The reality there is that God's judgment is upon not only Jerusalem, but also upon Edom. And upon Edom, God is going to pour out the vials of his wrath. Edom lies in the darkness of the curse of God. And that's why that voice out of Edom urgently repeats this question, will it be morning? Will there soon be deliverance from the judgment of God? And over against that question, the watchman says, The morning cometh, but also the night. What a riddle that is. The morning cometh, but also the night. At the same time. Judgment and also deliverance. At the same time, misery and suffering and death, as well as salvation and happiness and life. How can that be? How can that be? Opposite elements occurring at the same time, but not in the same place. Same time, but not the same place. Let me give an illustration. When here in Indiana, it is 6 or 7 in the morning and the light is just breaking through the darkness, in the Philippines, the darkness is just settling in. There is the light at the same time as darkness in different places. And so in nature we can say, the morning cometh and the night but not in the same location. Now also spiritually. There is the kingdom of grace, but there is also the revelation of judgment. So at the same time, but in different places, on different people, there is judgment, 
instant redemption. There is death, but also life. There is destruction, desolation, but also salvation. Same time, but different place. Not in the same place. So let's get into it. What is this judgment that is announced? I said we're dealing here with figures. Isaiah is a watchman. In his position as a prophet, he is to give leadership and he is responsible for the people of that city, God's people. God has called him to speak a word to his people. God has called him to watch over his people, to care for them. He has a duty then. He has a duty to warn them against the approaching enemies and any danger that is theirs. And second of all, he has the duty to keep that church. He is to show her the matters that are concerning the cause of God and of his, of his covenant. Why is it so dark at this particular time in Judah and Jerusalem? And is there hope? Is there going to be light? Is there going to be mourning? He is the watchman on the walls. Over against the spiritual aspects of God's kingdom. He is the protector of the interest of the church. He is the protector of those interests as that church is manifest in Judah during this particular time. And he is the watchman during the night. A voice asks him, doesn't it? What of the night? How much of the night is already past? Will it end soon? Think of when God's people came to the land of Canaan, which is the land of milk and honey, which is supposed to be the land of rest. No more pilgrimage through the wilderness. But how much rest did God's people have there in the land of Canaan? During the period of Judges, and then with Saul and David and all the other kings, constantly they are called to fight against those enemies that approach against God's church. And with the evil kings there, God sends more and more of those pests, those enemies, to chastise his people. And yes, the question could very well be, how much longer is the night going to end soon? We're talking about types. The night is a figure of the dark, antithetical side of life in this world. It's the opposite of life. It is death. Now, yes, in Scripture, sometimes the night is spoken and portrayed positively. For example, when we read from Psalm 19 this morning, the night also shows forth the beauty of the Creator. Don't we read in Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork, day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night knowledge. And it is in the night that we see the glorious stars 
a picture of God's people, his blessing upon his church that they will be like the stars of the heaven. But most often in Scripture, Scripture views the night in negative terms. Danger, great danger, threats, fear, death. The night of suffering and misery, the night of sin, spiritual misery that comes upon mankind in the fall of Adam and Eve. What a difference between the day of the Lord when God created all things and it was very, very good. When Adam and Eve would walk in the fullness of life with God in the Garden of Eden, and then with the fall, the blackness of sin and its consequences, that Adam and Eve are afraid of God. They try to cover themselves. And the curse, the curse that comes upon this creation and all mankind as a result of Adam's sin. Guilt, judgment, suffering and grief and evil and misery and death, both temporal and eternal. What a sharp contrast. The way God made things, oh, it was beautiful in the garden, walking and talking with God. And the fall into sin, cast out of the garden, the ground becoming hard and filled with thistles, so that man has a hard time living. The night that is spoken of here is the night of suffering, of judgment, and of death, sin. But over against that figure of blackness as being sin and death, there's the figure of light, morning. Morning when the sun comes out and the darkness of night is driven away. Ah, oh, beautiful when the sun is shining, isn't it? As it did today. A positive idea. It's picturing the deliverance and the liberation that God gives to his people. It pictures life and salvation. It pictures freedom and happiness. Deliverance from the curse. Liberated from the power of sin that is within us. Life instead of death. Salvation instead of damnation. Freedom from the bondage of sin and happiness in the place of sorrow and misery. The day, the dawn, represents eternal life in Christ Jesus. So let's quickly, as we come to the end of our first point... Look at the application of that. Night is a figure of the God's wrath and judgment and all the suffering that comes upon Israel as they walk in sin. And also God's wrath against the heathen in the way of their sins. Israel oppressed 
time and time and time again by her enemies as God chastises her. And then that ultimate captivity, first the ten tribes taken away by Assyria, and later on Judah also taken away to Babylon. Yes, beginning in Isaiah's day with King Ahaz, things were growing very, very dark. Oh, there was the temporary reformation of Hezekiah, and later on the reformation of Josiah. But while they brought reformation, the hearts of many of the people in Israel were not changed. They loved sin and they walked in rebellion against God. The watchman says, in effect, Mourning is coming where I am at in Jerusalem. The light of redemption will soon rise for God's people. They will not be left in Babylon, but there will be a remnant that return. But for you who are in Edom, it's still night. Edom, which laughed and ridiculed Israel when they were taken into captivity by Assyria and later on by Babylon. Morning will come in Jerusalem. But darkness, it's still night in Edom. Brings me to my second point. Where is this judgment? Notice the watchman's reply is directed there to Edom, where the inquiring voice has come from. Boys and girls, do you remember where Edom is? I shall only ask the boys and girls. How about you older folks? Do you remember where Edom was? Edom was on the other side of the Jordan River, down toward the bottom of the Dead Sea, and down further than that. On Edom, there is the everlasting night. No grace. No salvation for her. Why? Because of the character and the meaning of Edom, God's rejection of her. Who was Edom? Hopefully, boys and girls, you remember from catechism that Edom are the descendants of Esau, Jacob's brother. Jacob and Esau were sons of Isaac and Rebekah. Both of them as twins born in the line of the covenant. And in fact, Esau was the firstborn. You would expect him to carry on the covenant line. But God sovereignly rejected him, didn't he? What do we read in Romans chapter 9? For this is the word of promise at this time will I come. For the children of Rebekah and Isaac, for the children being not yet born, neither having done either good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand not of works, but of him that calleth. It was said unto her, the elder shall serve the younger, as it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. 
in God's counsel, Esau was reprobate, something that was very manifest in their life, a sinful life. Esau was reprobate not only personally, but in his generations. That nation that descended from Esau were reprobate. Now that is not to say that there weren't any exceptions at all in Edom. It's possible that individual Edomites were saved just like Ruth was saved from the Moabites. But Esau was reprobate and rejected by the Lord. The reason this, that there is only night there, is that their reprobation was from eternity. According to God's divine counsel, in God's good pleasure, Edom is the people that stand as objects of God's wrath and displeasure from eternity to eternity. And because God has rejected Edom, there's no hope. There will be no dawn. There will never be the light of salvation that shines upon them as a nation. In her history, she was a wicked nation who falls under God's condemnation. Because of her opposition and her hatred for God's cause and for God's covenant. Do you remember, boys and girls, when Israel was coming from Mount Sinai and they were almost up to the land of promise, but in order to enter into that land of promise uh, from the east side of the Jordan, they'd have to go through the kingdom of Edom. And they would not pluck any grain on the sides, but they would walk straight through, and Edom says to his brother, no. No, we don't want you at all through our land. And so Israel had to go backtrack back into the wilderness and go all the way around that kingdom of Edom. Edom's reprobate. And yes, that God does that in his sovereign good pleasure in eternity. But notice, God is not arbitrary or unjust. It is not the case that poor Edom, they're reprobate. But they are reprobate in the way of their godliness, ungodliness. They are reprobate in the way of their sins. Edom refuses to forsake or leave the way of sin. They defy the call of the gospel, the command of the gospel to repent and to believe. Edom is reprobate in the way of its sin, their opposition to God. She refuses to repent. And Edom there in the Old Testament is a type, is a picture of the reprobate world, just as Israel is a type, is a picture of God's church. So we're dealing here, and whenever you read the Old Testament history, you need to read it 
with the light of the types or the pictures that are there. God made this world and history carries out this world in the Old Testament. That there are persons, there are events, and there are places that are types of spiritual things in the new dispensation. Old Testament Israel historically stands for God's church. All the children of God are children of Abraham. That line of Abraham runs through Isaac and Jacob all the way through those who today believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. The same idea applies to Edom. Edom is always the figure of those with whom the Lord is displeased. Edom that descended from Esau, they are those who through their generations oppose God, oppose his covenant. Through those generations runs the line of reprobation. That is the typical significance of Israel and Edom in our passage. And therefore the meaning then of Isaiah's reply should be clear. The prophet is saying, I'm standing here as a watchman on the walls of Zion. And here I can proclaim the dawn will soon come. There will be mourning. Israel will be liberated from all of her enemies. There's going to be a remnant that return to that land of promise. They will, be deliberate, they will be delivered from that coming captivity. They will return to Zion. Morning is breaking. Morning is breaking for Jerusalem because then only about 500 years after their return from captivity... The Savior is going to be born to her. Yes, in Christ Jesus, the morning dawns and the night of sin is banished. Isn't that what we read by, by the prophet Malachi 400 years before the coming of Christ? Malachi chapter 4 verse 2. The day cometh and burns as an oven. All the proud and who do wickedly shall be stubble. The day comes shall burn them up, leaving neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in its wings. And ye shall go forth, and you shall grow up as calves of the stall. You will tread down the wicked. Ashes underneath the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. The morning comes. The same day that morning comes to the church, it is darkness, it is blackness to those who oppose the church. The morning dawns. Beloved, that morning, that dawn is our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of Righteousness. The morning comes 
when Christ Jesus pours out his spirit on his church in the hearts of Zion's citizens. And they are gathered out of all the nations of the world. In fact, the nations run to her. God has his people in many different nations and tribes and countries. And the morning is still coming, isn't it? That is that eternal day in which the light of God in Christ Jesus will come fully and perfectly forever and ever. Are you looking for that? You and I who are pilgrims in this wilderness of this world, which one of our forms says is nothing but a continual death, our baptism form, the light is coming. The light is coming when we will not have to contend with sin within ourselves or around us or from the devil. But Christ comes and the devil and his hosts will be cast into hell. And we will forever be in the light of his face in the new heavens and the new morning. Isaiah says, I see the dawn. It is coming. But even as dawn or morning comes to Zion, the church, step by step through the course of history, it is still night in Edom. Worse, the night grows darker and darker. The shadows increase in this reprobate world. A night of misery and judgment. The more brightly the sun shines in Zion, the darker and blacker it becomes in Edom. Until finally that eternal night goes completely away from his church and we are with Christ forever and ever. Yes, light to the church Darkness to all those who oppose Christ and oppose those who follow Christ Jesus. And there is much opposition. Read that beautiful part, uh, periodical that we have here in church, the, the, the faith of the martyrs and also the suffering of the martyrs. There's terrible opposition in many different nations against those who follow Christ Jesus. And that night is only going to grow darker and darker when the man of sin comes, the Antichrist, and there will hardly be a place for the church of Jesus Christ. I mentioned earlier the theme of the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 1, verse 27, Israel will be redeemed through judgment. We are redeemed because the judgment has fallen upon Christ Jesus in our place. But we will also be redeemed, fully delivered, when the judgment comes upon the wicked at the end of the world. Now they oppress. Now they attack the church. Now Satan comes still with as many temptations as well as the world with its worldliness. But there's coming an end. 
Do you see that the judgment day is a day of deliverance for the church? Just as Noah and his family were delivered from the oppression of the wicked world with a flood. And just as Israel was delivered from the bondage to Egypt when Pharaoh and his hosts were drowned in the Red Sea. That's what the last day is all about, the judgment day. The wicked who oppose God and those who believe in him and follow him and trust in him and obey him, those enemies will be removed once and for all. What a day, what a day. What a glorious day of light. But let's go back to that voice that is heard out of Edom. What of the night? What of the night? Is there any escape from it? To know the answer to that question is the intent of the one who is asking, watchman, what of the night? Watchman, what of the night? Who is this inquirer? We read here, he says, what of the night? In other words, the prophet here deliberately does not identify the person of this voice. He calleth to me out of Seir. Now, Seir is another name for Edom. That's the mountain rage there. He calleth to me out of Seir. And a voice is inquiring from Edom as to morning and night. Who is this he? There's various possibilities. Number one, it could be a citizen of Israel sojourning for a while in Edom, seeking safety from Judah's chastisements. Kind of like Elimelech and Naomi. You know who they are, boys and girls, right? Elimelech, what a beautiful name. God is my king. That's what Elimelech means. And yet when there comes chastisements from that God, he takes his wife and his two sons and hightails it down to Moab instead of staying in the land of promise. He didn't belong there in Moab. Just as this person, if that's what it is, doesn't belong in Edom. Or perhaps, as I said earlier, maybe he is an exception to the rule of the Edomite reprobate. Maybe one there of that heathen nation who is looking for the dawning of Zion's blessings by God. Most of Edom laughed and rejoiced at Zion when they were taken captive by Babylon. But was there perhaps an exception? So that even out of, e out of Edom there is those of that heathen that come running to Jerusalem as we saw early in the book of Isaiah? Or thirdly, maybe it's even one who wants deliverance from God's judgment and wrath upon Edom, but who doesn't want to, the true light, who doesn't really want to walk in obedience and love for God. 
That's also possible. For you remember the story of Balaam? Balaam has one of the most beautiful statements possible in the Bible. Let me die the death of the righteous, he says. That looked good to him. But the love of money had his heart, didn't it? When he could not curse God's people, he thinks of a plan to bring God's wrath upon them when they intermarry with the Midianites and the Moabites. No, that kind of a person doesn't have a godly sorrow for his sin. He has only a sorrow regarding the consequences of sin. God's word speaks about the difference between those. If we go to 2 Corinthians chapter 7, we read there in verses 8 and following. Here it's in the New Testament church, and the Apostle Paul has written to that church. And he says, though, for though I made you sorry with a letter, I don't repent, though I did repent. For I perceive that the same episode hath made you sorry, though it were for a season. Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that ye have sorrowed to repentance. For ye were made sorry after a godly manner, that ye might receive damage by us in nothing. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of. But the sorrow of the world worketh death. You see the difference between those two? The sorrow of the world hates the consequences of sin. If only they could walk and live in sin and do as they please and somehow still be saved. What is needed is a godly sorrow unto repentance. Who is this? This voice that is calling out of Edom. Is it an Israelite that was raised in the church but then forsook her for a while? And maybe is going to come back. We have sons and daughters like that, don't we? Or maybe spouses like that. Members of the church, and they forsake the church. They forsake their upbringing to live in the world and be like the world. Oh, that there might be a genuine work of grace in their hearts and their lives that only God can do to turn them around. So what is the way of escape? Listen to Isaiah's answer. If ye will inquire, inquire ye. What is the prophet saying there? We really have there a command. If ye will inquire, Inquire ye. He's not saying if you come with more questions or different questions, but he's saying if you are really serious about your question, well, then continue to ask. If you are truly seeking the dawn, continue to seek. Because as Jesus says, he who seeks shall find. So there is, first of all, an admonition to continue searching. 
What is the way out of the misery and sickness and sin and death of this world? What is the only way out? Second of all, return. And to return means that one has departed. And that's why it seems that Isaiah here is addressing an Israelite who has fled Jerusalem to escape the punishment and the chastisement of the Lord. Now that person who is urgently inquiring, inquiring concerning the coming of the dawn. Where is that dawn? Where, where does that dawn lie? They are called to forsake reprobate Edom and return to Zion where they belong. The message is clear, isn't it? If one is truly inquiring for the light of the dawn, then return to Jerusalem. Return to the church. Repent for only in the way of conversion can mourning be found? What an application. Do you pray for those, for perhaps, who have forsaken the church, who have left us? Not hurling little barbs here and there about them, making jokes about them, but are you praying for them? That if it be God's will in his grace that he shows them their sin, and so that they return to the church, return to serving God. That's not enough yet. He says, inquire ye, return, and then that word, come. Why? Why are they called to come to Zion? Why are they called to come to the church because there will never be a dawn over Edom. There will never be grace and mercy, a complete saving of this creation or the wicked world. Jesus says of that wicked world, I pray not for them, but I pray for those whom thou hast given me. Never will the light of salvation shine over the reprobate world, but only in Jerusalem. There the day spring from on high gives light to his people. And so the admonition is here to the question, what of the night, what of the night? Come therefore to Jerusalem and her Savior. That means, beloved, forsake the world and fellowship with the world, for he who is a friend of the world is not a friend of God. If you remain in Edom, you dwell in the land of everlasting darkness, the blackness of sin, of guilt, of misery, of judgment that leads to the eternal night of damnation. What a call, what a warning for those who were in Jerusalem at that time to return, to come to the light. What a warning for the world. What a warning for those who forsake the church for the pleasures of the world. In Jerusalem, 
in the church of God and of his Christ, there is the certain hope of the morning of salvation, the dawn of the eternal day. Yes, yes, the dawn is coming. It has come, for Christ has come. He has suffered for your and my sins. He has taken God's wrath. God's wrath was turned from us to him. The dawn has arisen. Jesus Christ shines in his church. Those who are chosen in eternity, those who are redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, and those who are indwelt by his spirit. Come is the admonition. Come and walk as children of the light. Walk as children of the light in the midst of the darkness of the sinful world. Walk in the glorious hope of the dawning of that eternal day when there will be no more sin, no more suffering, no more sickness or pain, no more death. What a day that will be. Are you surprised that the pastor often in his congregational prayers and prayers at home prays, come Lord Jesus, come quickly? May we not say, oh, but not yet, not yet. I want to enjoy the pleasures of this world still for a long time. No, look at the glorious light of being with Christ Jesus, seeing him face to face. No more sin, no more temptations, no more sickness or pain or troubles or sorrows. Come. The dawn of morning. Isaiah standing there on the watchman of Jerusalem. He can see into the future. The dawn is coming. And it will shine. The church redeemed by judgment. The judgment that fell upon Christ in our place. But also the judgment of the wicked world. The devil and his host. All the wicked. Removed once and for all. We serve the Lord Jesus in the new heavens and the new earth. Let's hear that admonition that comes in this passage. Jerusalem needed to heed that too. Walk in the light. Inquire, where is the escape from the darkness of this world? Repent of your sins. Come, come to the Savior now. Amen. Father in heaven, what a glorious little passage this is. Over against all the judgments that are announced from Isaiah 13 and following, dawn is coming for God's people. Christ Jesus and his rich salvation already worked for us being worked in us and one day perfectly realized. Come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. We bask in thy light. Amen.